Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Dyer and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this February the 10th from people dancing in the aisles at the Grammys and having a great time to people screaming in their seats and not being so pleasant at the State of the Union. It has been a week where we've heard a lot. To sort through some of what has transpired this week, let me introduce you our panel for tonight. Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, as well as Eric Sonderman, columnist for Colorado Politics and the Denver and Colorado Springs Gazettes and George Brockler, former DA for the 18th Judicial District and current host of his own talk show on 710KNUS, and also Denver criminal defense and civil rights attorney Tyrone Glover. So great to have all four of you with us today. Um, in an era of divided government, President Joe Biden delivered his State of the Union address this week, and our Colorado delegation had different takes, of course, on what was said. Uh, Patty, it was a boisterous night, that is for sure. It kind of felt like watching British Parliament. I would say more like your average kindergarten. <laughs> or at that. least they split up the mean girls, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They were not sitting next to each other. They were so bad at last year's uh, State of the Union. But the rest of the crowd wasn't much better this time. The second half was really unpleasant. And you watched Joe Biden come in like the principal to school the bad children and lecture them. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I liked some of the things he was talking about the job ahead. I liked what he said about capitalism without competition is extortion. I mean, he had some very good lines. I also wish you didn't have to worry about whether or not the president was actually going to make it all the way through the speech, between whether it's his age or, frankly, the fact that he's a stutterer. It's not easy to give a 70-minute speech, and I thought he did a really workmanlike job, considering the audience. I thought it was one of Biden's more effective speeches, but that's coming off of a rather low bar. Uh, I thought it was sort of an unabashedly progressive speech in much of its content, um, which indicates at least where his party is these days and more and more where this president is. The most noteworthy parts of the speech, well, first of all, Patty mentioned Lauren Boebert, who I think was trying to get into the Guinness Book of World Records for the most tweets sent during a State of the Union address, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene between the outfit and the heckling or whatever. The key to Joe Biden's success is he knows how to pick his enemies. The only reason Joe Biden is president today is he ran against Donald Trump, and the country did not want Donald Trump, and he was the other guy standing. And if you have enemies such as Marjorie Taylor Greene at all heckling you from the floor of the House, that is political gold, and Biden played off of it and mined that gold very effectively. So he'll get a little bit of a bump, but I don't think it changes all of the, the fundamental dynamics and the fundamental division we have. Mm -hmm. Two of uh, our Colorado congressional members brought people from our state who have been victims of gun violence. Ellen Mahoney, who lost her husband in the King Super shooting in 2021, and Richard Fierro, who was the hero who stopped the Club Q shooter uh, earlier this fall. George, with them in attendance, President Biden said, Let's ban assault weapons now, something that we're also hearing from some Democrats here in Colorado. I think it's broader than that in Colorado. The legislation that they're talking about is it's much broader than assault weapons. It applies to many other semi-automatic weapons. I think it was something that the president knew would play well, given everything that's in the media and these high-profile cases. But I also think that the evidence that's out there, and I'm talking about National Institute of Justice studies, RAND studies that took place after uh, President Biden's claimed 10-year period of an assault weapons ban, 
are admittedly mixed. They cannot say that there's conclusive evidence one way or another that any such ban has produced any safer period of time, either before or after the ban. So is it a conversation worth having? Absolutely, it's worth having. But I think too often we think that the quick fix is just, well, we'll just take away the implement of death rather than try to figure out the, the other two things, which are how do we address the evil part of it and how do we continue to protect ourselves? It'll be an interesting conversation to have. I think they'll see far more success under the gold dome here than they will out in the white one. Here in Colorado? The, in D.C., I do. Okay. Also in attendance at the State of the Union were Tyree Nichols' parents. And Tyrone, President Biden stressed the urgency for Congress to pass the George Floyd Policing Act. And while there's urgency, I'm not optimistic, given all the divisiveness and the partisanship in Washington, that anything is going to get passed. But fortunately, here in Colorado, three years earlier, we did pass the Enhanced Law Enforcement Integrity Act. And so we have, I think, the benefit of knowing how this type of police accountability can play out and have seen how it's played out here in Colorado. Um, it's a very important and much needed first step. Um, prosecutors and DA's offices prosecuting officers the same way that they prosecute other citizens uh, for their crimes is another good step that we've also taken here in Colorado and nationally. But I think what we've seen is that these accountability measures are not enough. We need a top to bottom uh, review of policing, of peacekeeping. Uh, we need to look at training, policies, customs, practices, and really just address the culture overall. So while I appreciate the president's urgency and wanting to to get this uh, passed and some of his executive orders and passing some pieces of it as we have done here in Colorado. I think what we know looking back in hindsight is that it's not enough and we need to do more. Okay. Eric, while the president spoke a lot about how some prices were starting to come down on some items, the talk in Colorado continues to be our Excel bills being so high. Utility bills in Colorado and elsewhere are increasingly problematic. I think for the five of us around this panel, we get our utility bill in the mail and we may curse under our breath, but we're all in fortunate positions and we write the check or it comes out of our bank account and we move on with our lives. There are a whole lot of people out there who don't have that ability, don't have that uh, quite that good fortune and where it is much more than an inconvenience, it is a, it is a dire threat. Uh, December temperatures were 10 degrees colder in Colorado in 2022 than in December of 2021. So naturally, those bills are going up, but then you have the dual factors, the weather is one of them, and just the pressure on the natural gas market. And you know, you can think what you want about Excel, but they're also paying these elevated bills um, to get their supplies. They're not gonna eat those costs. They're gonna pass them along to consumers. I don't know what the ultimate answer is, but um, uh, inflation involves pain, and a lot of people mm -hmm. are feeling that pain. Big time. Um, and the reason we talk about Excel so much is because one and a half million Coloradans have Excel. There are other municipal um, organizations and c companies that help other areas of our state. George, legally, is there anything here to protect, uh, for to help these people who are in the place where, you know, I'm turning the thermostat down really, really low, and, you know, is there anything to protect people? Absolutely not. Not. No, there's nothing that, the, that they can do. Um, the problem here is that you have this monopoly that takes the form of this public utility, and so we expect the Public Utility Commission to be the gatekeeper for some of these changes, but it's almost like 
the opposite of Charles Dickens. It's like, may I have some more? And they're like, yeah, of course, you can have as much as you want. Uh, I struggle in my memory to remember the last time they were told no. All of this, by the way, takes place in the backdrop of an Excel energy that has moved very, very quickly forward towards renewable energy, shutting down coal plants, shutting down other opportunities and pushing way into wind and solar. And I think that too has its own cost. We're subsidizing that. So these extra bills, yes, some of them are inflation. Some of them are scarcity. Some of them are just a move by Excel to try to transition into some other area of energy production that is far more expensive and less reliable. Doesn't the state legislature, haven't they said, Excel, you need to be doing these kind of programs too? Oh, oh, oh there's no yeah. doubt that they have that certain timetable set in mm -hmm. place where I think we're supposed to. I think President Biden said we only get 10 more years with fossil fuels. But uh, I think the legislature said we're all going to go green by Friday by the time the show airs. And so I think it's in response to that, but they've been very, very aggressive in doing it. And one in four, Tyrone, one in four Coloradans need help paying these heating bills. And this is just the, the new reality or the reality of this sort of what is becoming an increasingly more rapid march uh, towards climate change. Um, you know, 70% of these increases are attributed to natural gas use and the increase in natural gas prices. Um, you know, we're dealing with one of the coldest winters I've ever experienced here in Colorado. Uh, the reality of this issue just being sort of green or, or, cr or, or crunchy is very much, I think, going by the wayside. And we're seeing this is an economic issue. This is a public safety issue. And unless we start coming up with good common sense ways to deal with this as we uh, attempt to address it far too late, in my opinion, uh, we're going to continue to see the, these economic realities hit working families in Colorado. And, and, this, and this week, a lot of the governor came out, a lot of different people have come out and said, we, we're going to help. But the help is like yesterday, right, that's needed. Right. You, the bills are, have already come in, the high bills that people are paying. Let's remember that Excel is making a big, obscenely big profit. And so it's not just that they have to cover bigger natural gas costs. They still are giving their shareholders a nice, nice balance sheet. So this week we had Governor Polis finally kind of take the stand. He had an op-ed in the Denver Post this weekend. He then did a press conference on Monday where he said, more has to be done. Well, it's his Public Utilities Commission. He appoints the people on that Public Utilities Commission. He could ask them, they don't have to do everything he says, but he could certainly ask them to pay more attention to the consumers who the week before just lit up the phone lines talking about their problems. Two hours later, oil and gas you know, took the stage, did a press conference, and said, well, everyone's very responsible. We need to keep more oil and gas. The more we talk about this, the better. And in the meantime, let's be sure this state has programs to help those who just can't afford those bills. I'm going to move into Eric's house because it sounds like he's very toasty over there. I can tell you in an 1890 drafty house, my bill is flying higher than a Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> Look at that, the spy balloon. Okay, thank you, Patty. Uh, let's talk about the Denver mayoral race and especially how the fair election fund is coming into play for the very first time in local politics. George, in the last week, your show has received a lot of attention because of an interview you had with a Denver mayoral candidate, Andy Rougeau. Now, one of our panelists last week here on the program mentioned how she heard on your show uh, Rougeau saying that he was the only candidate not receiving matching donations uh, from uh, contributions from the Fair Elections Fund. One of our viewers, Andrew, picked up on that and wrote to us said, that's not right. Other people have said that too. 
Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Let's celebrate the idea that there are people running for office like Denver Mayor who are not your typical politician. I appreciate that, but that is wrought with peril. First off, off-air people probably don't know this. Tyrone Glover's announced he's running for mayor, too. I'll let him explain that later. Um, but one of the things that that leads to is an inarticulation, sometimes an overstatement of facts. Sometimes it's leaving some things out. To Andy's defense, I had him on again, and what he said was, yeah, listen, here's the bottom line. I'm the only person who has pledged not to take those fair election funds. The other three people that aren't taking them are desperate to get them, but they are so inept at getting fundraising, they can't meet the threshold to even get the taxpayer-funded funds. So it's a misstatement. And he had several others uh, during the interview where he meant to say, I'm the only major candidate or something. And, but that is something that you see happen even with seasoned politicians. But you find with the new politicians, more often than not, it's an overstatement. They get caught up in the moment or a misstatement. And I think that's the kind of thing to expect. Fair elections thing, I don't know, man, nine to one. I feel like I wish I was running. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tyrone, is this fund fair? It still kind of feels like there's the David versus Goliath going on here. You know, I, for one, really appreciate this fund. I mean, okay. we're seeing some candidates who I think in previous mayoral elections would have been counted out and never even gone off the starting blocks. Um, but they've, you know, hustled and, and really hit the pavement, um, you know, gotten their constituents riled up, and now they're here and, and, and they're contenders. Uh, there's always going to, I think, be some, some sort of fighting at the top between folks who are self-funded and, and those who are career politicians. But we're seeing some real community leaders, community activists, uh, folks who have a presence in some of our, our most historic neighborhoods uh, really step up and push some of their issues to the forefront, and I'm all for it. We do have a very diverse field, don't we? So we are hearing a lot of different um, people, and it, it's great. Patty, how do you think things are going with this fair election fund and with the race thus far? Well, the fair election fund is so interesting because we passed it in 2018, and then it all, all just kind of seemed to sneak up on everyone. We could have uh, put it in place earlier, but it was the first. This is the first election, and there still are some issues on. Um, how the deadline has it shifted for getting the money? Trouble, there's trouble getting the money, which is a problem between Fair Elections Fund and the finance department in the, in the city. But I agree with Tyrone. I like it that we are seeing new people running. I think that's great. There are a lot of kinks that are going to have to be worked out with how the Fair Election Fund works. And whether or not that means you have to help people who are, who are really inexperienced politicians figure out how to get the contributions, how to fill out the forms, or whether we're just going to let the survival of the fittest but give them some money to work. Uh, we're we're going to hear from 17 candidates over the next, what, almost two months. And it's going to be a fascinating referendum on where we want to see Denver go. Exactly. Um, Eric, we here at PBS 12 are planning a mayoral forum, not a debate, that will air on February the 26th, that Sunday. Let's be transparent and talk about how we here at PBS 12 came together as a group to decide who will be part of this. Logistically, it's, it's impossible to have a conversation with 17 people. The way we decided, and this was a collective decision, is to look at fundraising as one level of seriousness but not take into account the matching funds for the simple reason that the fundraising is reported in much more real time where the matching funds, there's been some delays in getting them out. So some candidates have received matching funds that they're entitled to while others haven't. So we have just very simply and transparently 
picked the top 10 candidates who will be invited who have raised the most money to indicate some at least minimal level of viability and seriousness. Channel 9, which is hosting debate, I believe it's next week, has taken a different approach. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's different management and they're entitled to, um, to, to make their own decisions. And they're the ones who have excluded Andy Rougeau, who George talked about here. I happen to think, and I'm not spinning here for Andy Rougeau, I've never met him, but I think Channel 9 is making a mistake by saying that he cannot be a part of it because he is not participating in the Fair Elections Fund. When the voters of Denver passed that Fair Election Fund, they didn't make it mandatory, they just made it an option. Rougeau has opted out. He is able to self-fund. I believe his father was the fund founder of Sephora, the cosmetic company. Maybe his slogan is Denver needs a makeover and who better to um, <laughs> provide, uh, provide that makeover. Um, but you know, if you're going to eliminate self-funders, then what was Governor Polis doing on the Nine News debate stage? Because he is a self-funder as well. So I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And my own opinion is Rougeau should be on that stage and he will be on the Channel 12 stage. As you said too during your show this week. Yeah, I did. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's fair. Uh, I don't understand why you would exclude him based on that arbitrary decision-making. It seems to me that you want that guy on there because he represents the opposing voice to an existing Denver policy and Denver law. I, I just think that has to be part of the conversation. But 10, you guys got your work cut out. That is a lot. All right, let's talk about sports, something we don't typically talk about here on Colorado Inside Out. But, hey, we're going into Super Bowl weekend, and there's been a lot going on with our sports teams here in Colorado. So, Tyrone. As an alumni of the illustrious uh, CU Law School, the oh. Buffs, uh, yeah, I'm excited about uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, all of the buzz, all of the hype that's going on there, and I'm finally going to call in that favor for some alumni tickets if they're available. Um, but no, I'm really excited about that and, and, and finally seeing uh, my buffs rise to the potential that we, we all know they have. Don't they have one of the top recruiting classes already? Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. and the spring football practices started for them, right, up at Boulder. Yep. Everything seems to be falling into place, so we're kind of keeping our, our, our fingers crossed and knocking on wood. I hope for you buffs fans. <laughs> I do hope. Patty. Well, with all the talk about CU, the black Coach McCartney quotes mm. that are coming out, People should go back and remember exactly what problems there were with those teams, especially the black athletes who were just thrown into Boulder. It's not exactly what we want. Let's let Coach Prime be his own coach and do a good job. Meanwhile, down here in Denver, bring back Bucky. We need him back on the scoreboard. I know. That was really sad when they took him away. They allege they're bringing him back, but you know we're waiting for all the art at DIA, too. <laughs> And where is Bucky? Like, it's a, it's a top Facelift. secret location. Makeover. All right. New coat of paint. Maybe he'll be a little more chiseled here. Hopefully it won't be the guy from the airport coming up. Right? You never know. Eric. Well, I'm going to be a bit of a downer here, if not a downer, at least a critic. I know all the buzz is about the Sean Payton hiring this week, and it's getting a lot of positive buzz. I'm, I'm less enamored, not about Sean Payton, but just about the price they had to pay for him. The Waltons and the Penner group, they didn't make all their money by overpaying. Um, I'm not just talking about his salary. If they can afford to pay him $20 million, I don't care. I'm talking about the draft choices they continue to give up on top of all the draft choices they gave up for Russell Wilson. you got to give a coach some talent on the field. They've given away their main way of acquiring that talent. Between Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, this looks like a a landing spot 
for you know people at the end of their career who are looking for a very sweet golden parachute and the Penner Group is providing that parachute. Real quickly, Kyle, on the Rockies, I mean, Dick Monfort going to a, some kind of service club outside Greeley a week or two ago and talking about, you know, we think maybe we just might be able to play 500 ball. I think the new Rocky slogan this year is dreams of mediocrity. Mm. And they're all going to spring training next week. They all That's head right. down pitchers to Arizona. And pitchers and catchers. Well, it is the 30th anniversary season. Let's hope. You never know. You never know, George. Hope springs eternal. I mean, look, the Rockies are pretty famous recently for doing this. They'll start out of the gate and exceed expectations, and then at some point they look at each other and go, wait, we're still the Rockies, and then they go back to what they're doing. Uh, I, too, uh, go Buffs twice, undergrad and law school. Um, like Tommy Boy, I did spend seven years in school at Boulder, and uh, I am a big Coach Prime fan. I think that this is evidence of what a guy who has a reputation for victory and for success can bring to a program. I'm anxious to see if that translates into wins. Uh, on the field with the Broncos. I feel the same thing that uh, Eric does. It feels like the Broncos won't be meaningfully participating in a uh, draft until 2017 or 2027 or something like that. Like we're just not going to have any draft to play. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming up. I don't know how to feel about it. It's like the first time I haven't had a team to root against. You know, like each team bothers me. The mm. Chiefs with Mahomes, who is just lights out great. Hurts, lights out great. And I love to see that competition. But the Eagles defeated the Niners, who had John Lynch and McCaffrey and that kind of Colorado connection, and they beat them with no quarterback. At one point, there was a cheerleader behind center. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> and then with the Eagles, the Eagles, yeah, they stomped their way to this thing. But I'm like, I don't know who to root for here, and maybe that'll make it an even more pleasant game. I, I don't know, but I'm glad that we have it. Well, thanks for enjoying and talking about sports on the show because ultimately it does affect our economy too how our teams are doing right i mean if people are going out and going to sports bars buying tickets to the games buying merchandise so thank you for indulging me uh let's now start off our lightning round where our panelists we go down the line talking about the good and the bad this week um patty let's start with you well there's so much uh in denver but i want to give a moment to the sad tragedy in turkey where you have <sighs> the count yeah. just keeps going up and that is Beyond imagining. Certainly we in this country have not had a tragedy like that. I was mentioning before we started the show, there was a picture of a father sitting next to the rubble and holding his daughter's hand. You know, she'd passed away. You just can't leave her. The despair is awful. Eric. Well, what, what you just said, and it's hard following that, um, but staying with sports, or at least a connection to sports, Colorado State University basketball game within the last week. They're playing, I believe it's Utah State. Utah State has a guard who is from the Ukraine, so a lot of the CSU Ram fans are heckling this guard with pro-Russia taunts and pro-Russia heckling. Um, I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene was not in the audience, but it had everything else. <laughs> that was pretty lame. Yeah, George? Oh, just stepping back real quick. Had I known Coach Prime was coming, I would have run for regent. Just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> My, uh, my negative thing is really the tragic loss of that 12-year-old boy's life who was part of that stolen car recovery incident that took place in Denver. Anytime you have a 12-year-old who's in a position to lose their life in that kind of a way, there's been a failure, maybe more than one. Uh, um, it's, it's a true, true tragedy, but the thing that concerns me most is, does this foreshadow a future of people engaging in more self-help in an attempt to recover property and take care of themselves in an environment where they no longer trust the system to do it for them? I hope the answer is no, but I think the answer might be yes. Okay, 
And speaking of the system, um, this week, attention on the way that uh, both local and federal law enforcement is using informants in a way that's very, very concerning. Uh, an article about some of the federal uh, informants um, that came out in the Westward this week, uh, almost inciting and escalating violence during the George Floyd protests. Um, also, uh, a movie which just uh, hit platforms is streaming internationally, uh, The Holly, about uh, the use of local law enforcement, uh, use of, of informants in some of the, the, the areas, some of our most historic and important neighborhoods here in Denver. Um, you know, there's now, I think, a national spotlight on, on just some of the way that this has been used here in Denver. Denver, and it's, it's very concerning and it's something that needs to be looked into. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about some of the positive that you saw. Well, National Spotlight on CSU, which is having its Founders Day, and celebrating Temple Grandin. What she has done is extraordinary. I saw her at the um, Exceptional Rodeo at the National Western Stock Show working with kids with handicaps and disabilities. And she herself has autism, and what her career is inspirational. She is an inspiration. I just Great Coloradan. Absolutely she is. Definitely. I was not on the show last week, so this might be a week late, but I just want to pay tribute to two journalists who are leaving their gigs. Michael Roberts, who has been Patty's invaluable jack-of-all-trades, reporter-of-all-trades around Westward, who is moving on. I think he'll still occasionally be in Westward, but not on a regular basis. Phenomenal job he has done over many decades. And Ed Sealover leaving uh, yeah. the Denver Business Journal. Just a, a first-rate capital reporter, better than first-rate, and um, both of them will be missed. Absolutely. Great guys. It's selfish. No, I'm kidding. It was, it was well-deserved. Uh, three, three real quick ones here. Uh, one, uh, and Tyrone may find this interesting, I went to Montrose as a defense attorney, and it was such a brutal motions hearing, the man decided to dismiss the case against our client. So there you go. Uh, also, I scored tickets to the Rockies-Yankees games. That's huge. But on a bigger level, Chick-fil-A is now expanding their menu. Folks, brace yourselves plant-based chicken sandwich. Now, some of you will think that's a sign of the apocalypse. I don't know. It's been such a static menu for so long, I'm anxious to see if they can make anything better. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I may be the, the test subject on that one. So that sounds pretty interesting. Um, first week of Black History Month. Um, you know, and it's off to just a great start, really seeing a lot of uh, black-owned businesses and organizations stepping up. But more so than I've seen in, in recent years, really seeing you know our allies and allied businesses really doing just some very interesting things, uh, programming, um, you know, specials, bringing attention uh, to black issues and black businesses around town. Um, and I just found out today that the Museum for Black Girls is potentially going to be coming back and maybe even coming back this month. So I very much look forward to taking my young daughter there. Oh, that's great. And yeah. I was at the Nuggets game the other night, of course, the NBA, but the Denver Nuggets are celebrating Black History Month as well and making a lot of announcements and celebrations. And it's great during yeah. the game. Um, speaking of the Nuggets, a good thing. They're at the top of the Western Conference Finals, so I'm pretty excited about that. Thank you all for coming. Thanks for joining us this week. It's been a busy week. And thank you all for watching it as well. We really appreciate it. You can watch Colorado Inside Out anytime on pbs12.org or streams on YouTube. Share with your friends. There's a lot going on in Colorado. We need to talk more. If there is an issue you'd like to uh, share with us and that you'd like us to talk about, or if you have any feedback like Andrew did for George, let us know. We welcome your feedback on our social media pages and also at CIO at pbs12.org. Thank you again for watching. Have a wonderful week. I will see you next week here on PBS 12.